Are you just sat very still, Alana? No, no, she's back. She's back. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Can you hear us still? Or all good? I can hear you. Yeah, and even when you're frozen, I can still hear you. So at least, uh, okay, sometimes you're frozen. (laughs) Yeah, but I can hear you. Yeah, no worries, no worries. I mean, the audio quality and the video quality will be great anyway afterwards. So, um, yeah, let's get this going. Today we've got Alana on the show and. I don't want to keep the intros too long. Uh, Alana, it's great to have you here. And where are you joining us from? I'm joining you from sunny Puerto Rico. Right by the beach, like we were talking about. But (laughs) Uh. it's so bright. I can't I can't put the camera so you can see it. But yes, that's that's where I'm at. But you've been you've been traveling quite a lot um, with obviously all your filmmaking and stuff. Um, How has that life been for you? Have you always been on the road? Is that like something usual for you or did you have to adapt? It is usual for me, um, that, but because since the lockdown, you know, that definitely changed, um, started using more things like Riverside for, for interviews, <laughs> um, because I was forced to, cause I couldn't travel, but yeah, I used to travel quite a bit. Um, I have been a filmmaker for tech companies for 14 years now. So, and doing a lot of customer stories and we would go to where the stories were, um, or where, you know, the things were going on. And so... Um, yes. So traveling on location, I've I've been doing a lot of unscripted work pretty much my whole career. I've done a few commercials and scripted work here and there, but it's been mostly unscripted documentaries. Um, and so you just have to go to where people are. Um, it hasn't. Yeah. It, Dirty Coin has been different because I've been going to like mm-hmm. the middle of nowhere to, you know, a Bitcoin mine. <laughs> so it's <laughs> definitely been a, a, a bit of a different uh, experience. But but yeah, it's been it's been incredible to meet Bitcoin miners kind of all over the world and and filming them. It's been a it's been really fun. Sometimes the travel. I, I am a mother of three. I am a married mother of three, so I have a family. And I will say that um, being away from my family isn't a, the easiest thing. I miss my kids. Um, and if I see little kids walking around, I'll immediately like kind of choke up a little bit. Like my kids are growing up and I'm not there. So yeah, so, some moments um, it's, it's tough b- because of the family and I miss them. Um, but other than that, it's been, it's been a really pleasurable, fun thing. Do you um, stay in regular contact with uh, your kids? Um, and uh, um, how, how do you, um, best um sort of stay in touch with them basically do you do you uh, go online with them often and have a chat with them and uh do you tell them much about what you're working on well we facetime a lot um but they don't care at all about what i'm doing right so i could have had like a killer day interviewing like senators <laughs> and like you know all this stuff and then yeah. they come you know immediately they we get on the phone and then they're like so i did this and i did this and i did this and they just kind of like <laughs> right. I, I really just kind of listen to what they have to say and then the next kid picks up the phone and then they tell me everything about them and so they don't they don't right. quite care too much about what i'm doing yet um, it'll, it won't be until like my husband finally gets the phone and he was like, how was your day, sweetie? And then I'm like, oh, okay, right. I can tell somebody about my day. Um, but, but, but it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I just want them to be in contact. Um, they don't quite understand mm. exactly what I'm doing. So you're, qu- you're clearly working very hard and uh, you're passionate in what you do. And um, you're working, like you said, on a documentary uh, called Dirty, Dirty Coin at the moment, which I'm very excited to watch because I watched the uh, trailer earlier today and it looks really, really um, very interesting. And you've got some uh, very uh, important, significant people in the Bitcoin ecosystem uh, talking um, 
and um, obviously giving us insight about the realities um, and maybe fighting the FUD around Bitcoin uh, mining, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've always been a fan of being able to give the microphone to people that don't often have the microphone. Um, very often, you know, people that have a public relations person, those are the people that end up like on TV and talking about Bitcoin or talking about whatever. Um, but you don't often get like the engineer working on it or the person that's using it or, you know, you, you have like the, the real people. And what I what I love about my job as a director and choosing kind of who to interview is I get to really give the opportunity for people to speak that don't often get it, especially on a mainstream platform. Um, and I mean, I, I just want to have an intellectually honest conversation about what our virtual lives look like in the real world, you know, like the, whether it's data centers for our Facebook pictures, you know, or Bitcoin mining to secure the Bitcoin network, there is a physical footprint to our, to, to our digital lives. And that's something that I'm, you know, as a, as a mother, as a, as a person that's looking forward into the future as a futurist. I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid of the future. I'm very much looking forward to it. I love technology. Um, but I do believe that we should move forward um, having, you know, real conversations about what are the real world effects of these new trends and these new technologies. And, and just, again, just come to the table with, not with FUD, but with facts. And that way we can truly right. kind of have a real conversation that isn't about just debunking, debunking, debunking. It's okay, these are the facts, then how do we move forward? What is the best way? Where's the best place to put the Bitcoin mine? You know, where's the best place to do this? You know, that's it's really not just about it's good or bad. Like life isn't like that. It's really about understanding all of the information and then being smart about um, our being able to be critically critical thinkers. Um, and we can only do that if we're operating with real information we can't be critical thinkers if we have like a lot of uh, just uh, lies in our heads because then we're kind of thinking off incorrect data. And so I want to be able to like replace that incorrect data with real data and real information and then and then have a conversation from that point, from that kind of neutral, real perspective. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we definitely do want to do some FUD busting for sure. FUD fighting, like you said. Yeah, and um, it's I, I hear the the passion in your voice um, when you're when you're talking about the projects that you're working on and fighting the fight and displaying the facts for people to see, and clearly that's uh, from what I'm um, guessing is you're you're motivated because of a promise not a promise but the 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 better future that Bitcoin can bring about for all of us as as a society as human beings and, and and the planet environmentally as well so you've got to this point where you're actually doing the work and putting out these documentaries and displaying the facts in in this high-end professional way how did you even end up getting to this point going way back uh, when you first heard of bitcoin to now can you talk us through that journey well yes of course i'll try to be i'll try to be concise um in 2015 a friend of mine told me to to buy as much bitcoin as money i could waste on like he's like as much money as you can waste just put it into bitcoin and and he never told me to do that. Like he wasn't that kind of guy, but he always, you know, invested in early startups. He was early Facebook. He was early all these things. We were in Silicon Valley at the time. And 
And, and I would always be like, dude, tell me when you're buying something interesting. Like, let me know. Like, I'm, I'm interested in investing my money. And, you know, he mentioned Bitcoin and, and then, I, and then that was kind of like the beginning of my journey. But I really invested in Bitcoin from a number go up perspective. Like, oh, it's going to go up. Awesome. Okay, great. There was no other crypto kind of, there was no crypto casino going on at the time. There was no, and it's funny because the website that I bought it from, I remember my husband and I were like, looking at it and, I, and and he was like we really are wasting our money right now because this the website looked like a scam i mean everything about it was like these 12 words like what like it, it was just so um I'm, I'm surprised we even did it um it was very cumbersome um but it wasn't until a few years later that i learned that people in cuba i'm half cuban so i'm half puerto rican and i'm half cuban and it wasn't until i learned it was like 20, 2018, 2019. Yeah, I think it was like around 2018, 2019. Um, I found out that people from Europe were sending Bitcoin to their families in Cuba. And that was kind of mind blowing to me because Cuba is a place where everything has been regulated for so long. You know, like the telephone lines, the Internet, um, what you can even bring into the country is like everything is scanned. Everything is, you know, you have to ask for permission to do everything. Um, and there's a lot of regulations about what you can and can't do. And for when I found out that Bitcoin could be this kind of like borderless money, um, that kind of made me go like, huh, that's interesting. Um, I like this. And so I would say that's when I started really going down the rabbit hole of what Bitcoin meant as a digital currency. Um, and then, you know, just started seeing how, well, you could even go somewhere and even person to person, you could still use that Bitcoin. So it's not even just an internet transaction. It can be an in-person digital transaction. So that to me, and, and, and at this point, I mean, at this point I've, I've been to, I've paid in Bitcoin everywhere that I've been to. I always find a place that, that uh, accepts Bitcoin. So I've paid for hotels in Bitcoin. I've paid for food in Bitcoin. I always tip all of my crews in Bitcoin. Um, I've paid for coffee. I mean, I, I've used it in so many different contexts in so many different places. It's so easy. It's so fast. The bank doesn't like freeze my card because I'm in a new country and they don't know and I need to ask for permission to use my own money. So, you know, I've definitely also seen it put in practice myself. Um, so if you were to fast forward, I, one of the, so yeah, so I, so I became a Bitcoiner. I was listening to the podcast or the podcasts, um, reading the books and not just excited about Bitcoin, but just kind of excited about understanding money understanding what that means, understanding economics. And these were things that I never really learned in school. Um, I never also had an interest. I could have, I could have picked up a book, um, I, like I did with other subjects, but I guess I just wasn't, um, that interested And and Bitcoin got me interested in really learning more about financial sovereignty and what, you know, different things mean. So it really opened my eyes to many, many things that are going to be, are not going to be able to close anymore after this. And, and so when I would talk to people about Bitcoin, um, one of the first things that would come up, especially in the last few years, was, oh, yeah, but it's so bad for the environment, but it's so terrible for the environment and it's so bad. And, you know, all these. This, and I was like, but why? And so then I had to go down a different rabbit hole, which was the rabbit hole of understanding mining, um, because mm -hmm. I kind of knew it at a very rudimentary like 
you know, yeah, I know what mining is, you know, but I, I didn't really understand, um, like I hadn't gone down the mining rabbit hole and until I did. And then I thought that was so interesting because, I mean, I really like Bitcoin, but I also wanted to be objective about what, what does the mining look like? You know, there's all this FUD everywhere about what it is. And I wanted to objectively look at, you know, it's, it's like finding out that your favorite sausage has like MSG. It's like, you might still, still eat it, but you want to know, does it actually have MSG? Is it actually going to, you know, like you, you really want to know. And so I went into it very objectively, you know, I have no, I don't work for Bitcoin. Right. So I, I didn't care what I was going to find. I just wanted to know, I was just curious. And then the more I saw, especially in like 2020, 2021, where the industry had moved into in terms of like its scale. And I worked for Google Cloud. So it was interesting because the first big Bitcoin mine that I saw, I was like, well, that's just a data center. And I knew all about data centers because, you know, that's that was one of my jobs. It was to like make films about these data centers and what was happening in them. And, you know, AI and ML and high powered computing and this is something that isn't just unique to Bitcoin, you know, chips, chips, uh, chipping away at hard work is not unique to Bitcoin. And so, mm. yeah. And then, but, but Bitcoin mining is slightly different because it can, it's a portable demand on energy. So it can be anywhere where a data center needs to be connected to, you know, these fiber optic lines, it needs to be connected to, you know, it needs to be in particular strategic locations. Um, a Bitcoin mine can be anywhere. And, you know, you just need a little bit of a satellite connection and then and then you're good. So you can be in the middle of the jungle. And so seeing the, the innovations there and all of that capital go into energy markets that don't normally have a purchaser of electricity to that scale um, is really interesting. And then I thought like, wow, like one or two of these machines equal like couple of houses and so it's a it's like a little lego brick a a thing that you can like soak up this excess energy in these different locations and you can you know scale up or scale down and so my mind kind of was blown and then i spoke with some family members that are electricians and i you know told them like hey is this true like i was just listening to this podcast and they were like, yeah, this is really interesting. This is very interesting technology. Tell me more about this. So they actually got excited. Um, and I knew that that was a good sign because they were not Bitcoiners. Um, they could care less about any of it. But they were like just excited about the fact that there could be this, you know, huge portable demand on power that could just soak up this excess energy that's otherwise going to waste and, and also monetize. So so that's what I knew that that there was something here to really know. And unfortunately, I believe that a lot of our regulations and policies have become very feelings driven and not really facts driven um, because our TV and our social media have been like just manipulating us into into build, you know and into having a, our opinions about certain issues. And obviously that's very dangerous for many reasons, but um, when it comes to Bitcoin mining, I felt like the same people that want to like regulate it out of existence, like in New York state, for example, um, these same people, if they knew that Bitcoin mining is monetizing new grids in, 
in places that don't normally have electricity and are like we're right now we're we're editing so we're going through all this footage um there's a hospital in Malawi that they were doing operations under candlelight. And he was saying how, what a drag it was when the candles would blow out at night in the middle of an operation. And, you know, now that they have electricity, they, they can put a light on. So, you know, are we, do we really want to do something that affects, like, change the code, clean up Bitcoin, change the code? It's like, do you even know what you're saying? I mean, you're, you're basically saying that you don't want to have this customer of electricity in these villages so that these people then don't have electricity. Like you, you, there's so much more that you don't know. And so I felt this desire to make a film because I don't think that people are, you know, bad or evil, or I think that they're just misinformed. Um, and I mm. felt that if we were to really let them know what, what the whole story looks like, again, they can critically think about the subject and not feel like, yeah, but Greenpeace told me it's bad. You know, like it's, it's then they actually see what's going on and to, for them to understand, obviously Ripple sponsored the Greenpeace campaign. So there's more there, but you know, to, to, to really open people's eyes and let them know that there's, um, there's always more to the story and the more they press you to, not look or to hate. <laughs> I've always been more attracted to those things. Like, wait, what is it that you don't want me to look at? Um, but not everybody likes that. Some people just go like, oh, okay, I can't, it's bad. Okay. I move on to my next thing. Um, and so, yeah, so I felt like it was, I felt, um, a need to say that to, you know, we can to, to say which computers can have access to power and which can't, you know, who's to say that Pornhub should have access to electricity and not Bitcoin, you know, and who's to say that YouTube should have it and not Bitcoin. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. there's, we're, we're moving into a, a computerized world where our websites, our communication, our videos are going to be online and everything is going to be electrified. So, are we really going to let that door open where we're moralizing the use of electricity? And then who's the arbiter of that? So, so yeah, so for me, this is a really important issue and it extends beyond Bitcoin and it extends into our kind of this new age of our virtual lives where we're, um, you know, digital nomads, where we can live in different places where we use our computers and our, you know, our, this, like we upload and we take up server space somewhere. I mean, I, I do believe that it is really important for people to be very well informed because if not, we could, it could turn into an, or or an Orwellian future very, very quickly. Um, so I do believe that dirty coin is really more than clearing the FUD on Bitcoin. It's expanding the conversation to, moralizing the use of electricity, looking at how we want to regulate what a computer does, you know, which computers should exist and which computers shouldn't, which computations should exist. Like we're talking about freedom of speech at this point. I mean, this is, this is so far beyond Bitcoin that if, if you're not a Bitcoiner, you just don't care about the issue, but but it'll affect all of us eventually, you know, and it'll start with Bitcoin and depending on what we do today, um, will kind of dictate how quickly we can move and slip into um, a pretty a pretty oppressive future. Definitely, and what I find super fascinating is the name of the document or the feature uh, documentary itself, because um, 
it, it's quite clever. Like if you read it as a normie, you go like dirty coin, like, haha, I knew like Bitcoin is a bad thing. So you kind of have this surprise during the, the documentary, hopefully. And um, before we hit record, you also mentioned that there's essentially going to be a 21 minute um, short version or a short film. Um, what was the reasoning behind you for doing this? Is it really to have something for both ends or um, is it going to be massively different than the whole feature? So the so so dirty coin, yes. I mean Bitcoin what's funny is that Bitcoin has always had a dirty reputation, right? Like since criminals are using it on Silk Road, you know, it's it's those are the people that want Bitcoin. Like that would there there was this dirty you know, and, and, and I, when the system di dictates what is clean, anything that is outside of the system is dirty. So I do I do believe that Bitcoin is a dirty coin because it is it doesn't abide by the rules of of the mainstream. It doesn't care. You know, it doesn't it just kind of does what it does. And that's that's it. Um, so I, I don't personally have the and but I like the fact that, you know, it means different things for different people. Um, and so, and I did want something clickbaity. That was something that in my past, I was a filmmaker, but not just any filmmaker. I was a filmmaker that needed to have more than a million views on YouTube, right? So these are like, for, you're competing with the whole world and we need to like, use the right thumbnail, use the right, the, the right title, use the right keywords. I mean, the, my work wasn't just to make films and then, you know, let the studio promote it. My work was to make a, a, a film or a video for YouTube that was compelling enough that would, would compel somebody to click on that and not on the billion other videos that they could be clicking on. So, so definitely um, using my marketing hat to to create the, the and I knew that the Bitcoiners were going to be like what and then you know click on it which happened a lot and then they're like oh okay you know but had I written had it been like you know, the truth, I don't know, like the truth about Bitcoin mining or something like that. Like, I feel like it just wouldn't have had the stickiness that Dirty Coin has. Um, so that, so the name was definitely ex extremely intentional to be this kind of controversial, even in the Bitcoin community. At the beginning, I had a lot of people tell me like, nobody's ever going to support you. You're never going to be able to interview anybody with that name. Nobody in the Bitcoin community will support you. And that hasn't been the case, thank goodness. But Stranded, is our short film. So Stranded is a 21 minute short. And the reason why I was like, we have to create a short was was two. One, we have a lot of conferences that wanted to show Dirty Coin. They're like, oh my God, that's so cool. Dirty Coin is so awesome. We want to show it. But it's like, a conference is not a great place to sit down for like a 90 minute film, you know, like it's, it's just, and, and that I don't have control over the, the projector. I don't have control over the speakers. I don't have control over the lights. And I want dirty, like dirty coin is a movie. So I want it to be consumed in the way that a movie is consumed at either a movie theater or on your phone in the bathroom <laughs> or on an airplane, you know, but I, I don't want it to be like at a conference. And honestly, like I, I wouldn't sit through a 90 minute film at a conference personally, you know, so a 21 minute film, even some people are not going to sit through that. But to have a 21 minute film where we can put it at a conference, we can bring it to like a party and we can, you know, host a party. We show the film for 21 minutes, then you can network and have fun for the rest of the time. I feel like that was that's a better dynamic for um, like getting the film out there next year. But then so there was that kind of like marketing, you know, distribution perspective for wanting to have something shorter. But then I didn't just want to do like a short version of the film because then what's the point of watching the film? It's like, well, I already read the cliff notes. Why do I need to watch the film? And so 
there was there's one part in the film that we do have it in Dirty Coin, which is stranded energy sources. How Bitcoin miners go to stranded energy sources and they soak up the wasted electricity there. Um, but it can only be so long, right? Because in the movie, we need to get into like what is proof of work, the history of it, like da 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 da, like everybody doing. Like there's like so much that we're having to cover that our stranded portion is quite short. And so, and I felt like we had enough to really get in there. And, you know, we recorded in Malawi, the Gritless team there. Um, and we recorded the Nodal team in Utah that's mining off landfill gas. And, you know, there's there, we had enough content on just stranded energy that I felt that if we then do kind of like just an extended chapter on stranded energy, include interviews that we won't, that will have to be unfortunately cut from the film because again, the film can only be so long. Um, and so that's what stranded is. Stranded is, you know, just talking about how Bitcoin miners are um, taking advantage of the stranded electricity that is, is generated and going unused. Um, again, we'll mention that in Dirty Coin, but just not to the same extent. And so, so that's what Stranded will be. It's just a short film on, on, on that particular subject. I love the recycling of the content that you couldn't quite include in the documentary into this one, because then you still get the message out in some way. Um, one one um, word that's often weaponized, and that's the word energy. Um, you know, and, and depends in what context it's in and who's saying it. Um, and this is one of the biggest battles I think we've got um, in the Bitcoin ecosystem. Um, what is it that you do in the documentary specifically to address that, if anything? To address, well, okay. So it's interesting that energy has become weaponized. Um, and it's because of this whole carbon narrative and, and global warming, right? So we, it's like, it just, that's, that's kind of ultimately it's then, so it's, a lot of energy consumption equals global warming because that's how it has been equated. But energy, there's no life without energy. You know, we are energy. We have energy. Like energy is beautiful. And I personally hate that it has been weaponized and it has become this, this like bad thing to do because what we really should be looking at is the sources of energy, right? And what's interesting is that we'll be, you know, it, it's not a, it's never a fair conversation to have. So we'll talk about like electric vehicles. Do you know the amount of energy that goes into creating an electric vehicle? Way more than a regular vehicle. And when you look at like lithium mining and you look at everything else, like this is not an, in, this is not an intellectually honest conversation that we are having. We are being told that carbon is bad, um, myopically, it's the only thing that's ruining the world and we're not going to have a future and that's it. Even though there's some people that disagree, if you disagree, you're a climate change denier and you're a retard, you know, like that's, and that's not how science works. That is not how people that value intellectual freedom and 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 progress because we're not going to progress when if you oppose the status quo you are you are cast aside i mean isn't that how galileo galilei was strapped to the floors and mm. look made, made yeah. to look at the sun go around i mean this is this is archaic mm. to be to be looking at science in that way we have to question things we have to be able to 
um, have conversations and not feel like we're going to be attacked or canceled when we disagree with what the 1% and the top five companies in the world are telling us. I mean, just a few, I remember when I was a kid, these were the demons, right? The, the big corporations were the, were the bad guys. And then now we're eating from their hand. Now we're doing what they, you know, they're like sponsoring these like green stuff. I mean, it's, it's, I personally have a, a huge issue with that. That's a completely different documentary that I don't know if I'm going to tackle. Other filmmakers are tackling. <laughs> I wish them the best. Um, but when it comes to how, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just about to say, I mean, even fucking Greenpeace, I remember still the, the bus ads, you know, like, oh, we shouldn't be, I don't know, accepting big money. And that would like ripple, you go like, the fuck you doing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the 70s, Greenpeace accepted money from the seven sisters, which are the seven big uh, uh, oil companies. And forgive me if it's the five sisters mm. and not the seven sisters. But in the 70s, they sponsored Greenpeace to demonize nuclear. And it's interesting because we were building new nuclear plants in the United States and across the world. Greenpeace is funded by big oil and gas. To, to, and this is, and this came with free concerts for people. This came with Jane Fonda going all over, doing a tour on how terrible nuclear is, and all the college students going like rah 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 nuclear. And what's interesting is that now we have more carbon in the air because of what Greenpeace did 40 years ago. So Greenpeace is responsible yeah. for us having more carbon emissions. So that they should, they, I mean, they shouldn't even be considered a legitimate source, you know? And I'm not even right. like anti-oil and gas or anything, but they've always been sellouts. They have always created yep. campaigns around whoever pays them. I mean, it leans into a little bit about what you were saying earlier about that we're, we're left ignorant to, well, it's, it's, it's kept from us what money is. It's kept from us all these certain things that they don't really necessarily want us to understand because if we understood it, then surely there would be some questions asked, right? So when you're going around with these people controlling their narratives all the time, um, it's going to be easy just to sort of take that as truth. But it's, it's becoming to a point now where every facet of your existence from the information that you're consuming all the time is is co-opted in some way it's controlled um and this is why you know people like yourself alana are doing such significant work for humankind really at the end of the day because you're trying to put out the facts you're you're, you're trying to actually push against the narratives that are out there and educate people into the realities of what energy is and 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 what lies behind the the current uh, mainstream legacy um, narratives out there like Greenpeace and New York Times and the likes of those people as well. And um, you've also done another documentary, haven't you? Because you, when you said nuclear, it was one called Kaboom. What was that one I, about? I, so Kaboom, it's funny. I, where, where did you find that? I feel like you're the second person that, that brings that one up. Um, I, I haven't worked on Kaboom. So last year, um, again, working on Dirty Coin, I've been going down this uh, energy rabbit hole on I really wanted to understand what what is electricity? Where does it come from? How is the energy like may turned into electricity and how does that transmit it? So I went down and still am going down that rabbit hole and I discovered so much about nuclear. Um, you know, it's like again 50 years ago we were using nuclear submarines and where's like why don't we have nuclear ships now why don't we have nuclear airplanes like kind of what happened with nuclear you know um 
but then uh, I then continued learning. So, so just to answer your question, no, Kaboom was a, a film that I was like, I want this to be my next one. Um, but I have right. pivoted away from Kaboom and my next one is actually going to be El Grid and it's going to be about, mm. still about energy. Um, but how, a, how to modernize, how to future proof our grids to create sovereign a, energy production and nuclear definitely does that, but there's other sources as well. So geothermal, mm. um, using the motion of the waves, there's, there's so many other ways that it doesn't also all have to be nuclear. I, I believe that in different places, there are different, um, water. Like if you have access to hydro, if you have, um, you know, if you're able to, there, there are just so many different solutions that have been swept under the rug by, by the big companies that have, a you know, mm -hmm. a vested interest in continuing things the way they are. Um, that I didn't want to just focus on nuclear. I actually wanted to expand into what would it take for a country to be energy sovereign, which I believe is, is really important. And when we look at, for example, Europe, and the the conflict with Russia and you know when they cut and you know in the United States blowing up one of the pipelines when we look at everything that occurred that basically made um, Europe's cost of, of gas of basic something that they depend on another country to have for their own productivity their own factories their own schools their own hospitals they are now liable to whatever political bullshit occurs outside of them. Mm -hmm. But when you look at countries like France and Switzerland that still have quite a bit of nuclear, um, they were able to continue to produce and continue to have you know, access to, to the life that, that they're used to having. So, and factories didn't have to close down. You had issues in Germany where factories had to, they, they couldn't work. Mm -hmm. Like, it, I mean, it, it, this was, it was such a big problem. And I believe that for the next few years, we're going to continue seeing the downstream effects of what has occurred in the last couple of years. But basically being energy sovereign and being able to be independent in your energy production, I believe is extremely important um, and not depending on oil and gas that comes from a different country, solar panels that come from China, you know, it's, it's extremely important for us to be able to understand energy and harness mm -hmm. it, to create electricity so that our countries can, um, you know, be independent. I mean, you just got to look at the UK. We, we are going through an energy crisis. Um, last winter, there were sort of um, fears that we might be having um, power cuts throughout uh, the day and night because of the war in Ukraine and the energy crisis and, and on the back end of Brexit and all, the, all that sort of stuff. So we've, we've, we've really kind of shot ourselves in the foot with the way that we've created this uh, fiat narrative uh, for people and uh, completely destroyed the planet at the same time. Yeah, and, and mate, even even at that, like what Alana just said, even in Switzerland, because I used to live in Switzerland, I'm half Swiss, um, we face the same issues you guys had in the States now where we do have nuclear, but they're talking about shutting it down because they are quote unquote unsafe. And just as a, nat as a normal human being, you sit there go like, yeah, of course they are, because like they're like 60 years old. You know, you have, you've built them in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Surely you could invest some of that hard-earned tax money into actually building out solutions. Plus, we would have a huge hydro potential in Switzerland as well, which is just not used to the extent that you um, would see in neighboring countries or in remote areas. So to me, it's fascinating that as a Bitcoiner, you look at this and you start with number go up, 
or you may be a tech bro and you find it interesting to have programmable money, but you end in the essence of like, shit, there's so many different energy sources and way to actually distribute that energy fair and squarely, which we're just not using at the moment. And uh, we're recording this um, beginning of September. We've seen in Texas, miners can literally stabilize grids and potentially help, you know, prevent blackouts and all of these things. So it's not it's not any different than actually innovation have taken place in like the cloud um, infrastructure twenty five years ago, but for some reason we're just the bad guys because we we, we kind of seem weird online. Um, but I'm also interested, Alana. You said your background is in tech. Looking back now, um, I think I read it on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. You left your job two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Have two you had ago. now through you? Nice. Have you had through this work? Um, experiences where people came up to you and they went like tell me more about this mining thing what is your documentary all about because my experience with tech people is still you know silicon valley distant like are oh, you polluting the planet and stuff and um, has that relationship changed with like former peers or friends in the space you know um i think that people knew the 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 fabric that makes me during the lockdown <laughs> because I was the one going like well but 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 what's what, what about this and what about that and what about this thing and this thing and what about this and this and this and, and you know so I was like um already the um the one that didn't sound the same as everybody else um and again, that's kind of like how I've been my whole life, which is why I now know these rebels. I'm like, you're not a fucking rebel. You just sound the same as everybody else. I mean, it's impossible to sound the same as everybody else unless you are just, you know, letting yourself be indoctrinated by all the bullshit that's online. Um, but anyway, um, I would say that no, because here's the thing about Silicon Valley folks. Yes, super left, super liberal, super, you know, it's California. It's, it's not just, it's not just Silicon Valley. It's because it's, it's, you're in California and California, that was actually one of the reasons why I left because I couldn't have conversations with people, you know, I couldn't say, Hey, maybe it's not a good idea to give a 10 year old girl hormone blockers. I couldn't say that. I couldn't say what what are going to be the downstream effects of of doing this and why like what no 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 why would you no of course not no we have no oh, oh Alana no stop talking and I'm like what do you mean stop talking like I have I'm a mother of two two daughters I am a woman I am the breadwinner of my family and you're telling me that I am a man because I want to work. And I don't want to only stay at home and rear the children because I still do that. Like my mornings are for my children and I, I, I am the one that makes the breakfast and I still am the mother of the house. Like I believe that the, the, the gender confusion is only getting worse by their intervention and not being able to have these conversations was enough for me to say, if I cannot have conversations, real conversations, and we don't need to agree. In fact, I don't even necessarily need to agree with everybody. I need to be able to have a conversation with you about it. And and if we can't, then we just can't be friends. And that's okay. Like, I, I'd rather us be able to talk about it and disagree, but know that we can talk about it, then I can't even talk to you about, about the things that are going on in my mind. You don't respect what I read and what I expose myself to. Like, you don't think that I am like you think I'm just like looking at a headline on Facebook and then going off that like you really like that's how little you think of me that you think that my ideas are that shitty like no then we can't be friends 
So, you know, I, I definitely left California because of that. I felt like we couldn't have conversations, but after leaving, um, and, you know, posting on LinkedIn and staying connected with folks, people at the end of the day, people do want what's best. Again, going back to people, not just being people do then start seeing the effects and it's like, whoa, you were saying that four years ago and now I'm seeing this and you were the only one that spoke up about that. And I want to ask you, like, for example, with the hormone blockers that came up um, re recently with me with a friend, she was like, you were the only one that was like talking, like speaking up against it and not even against it, but like against like against blindly moving into it. You know, that was, that was even like my thing. Um, but people are engineers. I have a lot of engineer friends. I have a lot of people. And at the end of the day, those people understand like physics and the way things work, you know, and they understand inefficiencies in the system. They want one watt in to create like one watt of, of productivity out or like, you know, they want to see that and they want to create systems that, 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 that optimize what happens between the input and the output. And so when you are speaking with these people that are already critical thinkers, they just happen to not look into certain subjects because it's not their thing. They're not into Bitcoin. They're not into whatever. It's like, whatever. I just saw it. I just was scrolling. It's like, if you were to tell me, if I were to say like, oh, Kim Kardashian is with this person. I think she is like, are you kidding? She's not. There's all this story. It's like, I wouldn't know. I would never know. I would never know who Kim Kardashian is with. Like, I'll never go down that rabbit hole, but somebody did. And so when I go down that rabbit hole and I then explain it to my friends or I just put it online, I have actually seen a lot of um, curiosity and questions. And I have had a lot of people kind of like come around and at first in a DM, you know, they don't necessarily like, like my stuff, but then they'll DM me and they're like, Hey, you were posting about this. Da, da, da. Um, so I would say, you know, and my film is aimed for that audience, like that liberal coastal, you know, New York, London, eh, San Francisco audience, because those are my friends. And these are the people that I love. You know, these are the people that I, 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 I was bringing up these conversations because they were giving hormone blockers to, to the kid, my friend's kids. You know, I love, I love them. You know, I wanted to have that conversation because I care. And so same with now, I, I have no intention in creating a film that's like, you're wrong. It's more like, you're not seeing these things. And if maybe if you see these things, you would think differently about it and you would actually feel less fearful and you would feel more empowered to to make better decisions about other things, you know, and maybe they don't want to get into Bitcoin. That's fine. I'm, I don't feel I don't want to be a Bitcoin shiller. You know, uh, I feel like I've gone through that phase of my life. Um, now I just make feature documentaries about it. Uh, so, you know, for, for, for that, I mean, I do believe that whoever is a curious person and wants to think, I don't think it's everybody. As soon as you start presenting them with certain facts, um, they do start coming around and they do start then doing their own research and kind of finding their own way. And when the student is ready, the master appears, you know, so that's, that's something that, you know, I'm, I'm happy to leave that breadcrumb, but have them d then dive into the people that are way smarter. Let, let us be, let dirty coin be the tip of the iceberg and then let them get into it and, and find their own information and their own, you know, their own Bitcoin Twitter, um, or Bitcoin X. That's weird. Mm. Anyway. But 30 coins, like the hook for a deeper rabbit hole. I hope so. I hope so. And I hope it's a deeper rabbit hole, not just for Bitcoin, but for energy as well. Right. And the, um, 
I think there's been for a while now a culture of um, you can't have a critical discussion. You can't challenge a narrative without you being maybe, I don't know, shunned or cancelled or called out or whatever. And um, are you starting to see a shift in that narrative now? Are you starting to see uh, more of a, a kickback against that sort of um, that narrative? Yeah, I would say so. Um, but then it just depends on how much money gets put into the, like, yes, yes. And, and also I feel like I have now come to terms with the fact that, um, propaganda and media manipulation works. I've just come to terms with this now. Um, when the whole Barbie movie came out and suddenly everybody was dressed in pink and everybody wanted to see this movie and people that hadn't gone to the theaters want to see it. You look at what I think it was $175 million in marketing does and suddenly everybody wants to see this thing. Everybody wants to wear pink and everybody wants to talk about it. And that to me just shows that there's it's a little bit of a lost cause to believe that um, people are just going that we're going to shift and suddenly people are going to become critical thinkers and suddenly we're all going to be having like debates like in Greece. <laughs> I I feel like I have matured enough myself at least. I don't want to say matured because I don't want to say other people are immature, but I have gone I'm in that phase of my life where I'm like there are some things that are kind of hopeless because with enough money behind an idea you are going to get a lot of people that are just going to fall for it immediately. Um, they're not yeah. going to question it and they're not going to, um, you know, go down any kind of rabbit hole. So although I do think that some people are going to push back more against cancel, cancel culture um, and what that means, I, I still believe that with enough money and media manipulation, we can still get people to think what we want them to think. And the, 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 the source of money that comes from some of this flood narrative um, is endless. They're literally printing the money so they can just continue. And, and so it's a, it's a bit of a David and Goliath where the Goliath has this infinite a, a life, like infinite lives, you know, where, where it's a Goliath that just doesn't die. So, you know, I feel like it's, it's really about uh, finding the people and creating enough of a resistance where, you know, at least amongst us, we can communicate and we can have those conversations mm -hmm. and, and we can be a safe place for those that are kind of fleeing that Goliath. And, you know, maybe that little island of sanity can continue to grow and grow within, within the folks that are in it. Um, so yes, I do think that some of it has changed, but, but I guess I've become a little bit more, um, eh, eh, me resignado. I've kind of resigned myself to understanding that with enough push, the masses will react the way that the push wants them to react. At least with the, uh, Goliath that was Barbie, it gave birth to Kennedy for Bitcoiners, right? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I just, I just written uh, um, yeah, a message. I was like, I wish I had one seventy-five million, you know, to promote rabbit hole stories. That would make life a lot more easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yep, exactly. Exactly. It's like, oh my God, the film is such a success. And it's like, are you kidding? They spent more money promoting it than the freaking movie itself. So, you know, and everywhere you went, you went to the mall and it was like every store was like, you know, Barbie everywhere. So, but whatever. I haven't watched the film. I don't know if it's good or bad. It doesn't matter. But it just, it just means how suddenly like people that would never watch a Barbie movie were going to watch it because that's just how, uh, that's just how good we can be, you know, it compelled to act and behave in a certain way. Wow, what a fascinating discussion we've had with you, Alana. Um, I'm going to go away. It's going to be one of those episodes where I'm going to go away on the back of this interview and just probably think about it for the next few hours. It's been a fascinating conversation with you. So thank you for your time. Thank you. But before we wrap up our episodes now, what we do is a bit of a challenge for each and every one of our guests and that is the All Roads Lead Back to Bitcoin Challenge. So we will give you a word or a phrase. And once we give that to you, you need to try and relate that word and or phrase back to Bitcoin somehow. Okay. Are you ready for the challenge? I'm ready. Okay. So we've come up with Charlie Chaplin. How does that relate back to Bitcoin? Charlie Chaplin. And this was inspired by a pinned tweet of yours. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. 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 Because you, you now, now I feel like I'm cheating because you said the pin tweet. Um, in the dictator, Charlie Chaplin has a. It's the. By the way, Charlie Chaplin was. It, he started in the silent movies. Nobody had ever heard him speak, and a lot of actors were going through this transition where, as people started listening to their voices, people didn't like their voices, right? And so women had like. Like, I think Sound of Music, or not, not Sound of Music, no, that's a different movie. Uh, Singing in the Rain, that's like part of like one of the plots is that the actress has a terrible voice. Um, and so there was this kind of issue going on on if people should be speaking or not. And Chaplin was one of the actors, like he was the, the, the biggest actor in the world, the biggest person in the world. Um, and he was going through, like, he was one of the last to be heard speaking um, because he refused to, to make a film where you could hear him. And in The Dictator, the first time you hear him speak is at the end of the film when he does this speech to, um, he's being confused with like a Hitler type man and um, he goes and he talks to them and he says that you, the people, have the power. The power to create machines, the power to make this life wonderful and beautiful. Like that's one of the things that I liked. It wasn't just you have the power to bring down the system. It's more, you have the power to create a beautiful life, to create a new system. And that to me is um, kind of words to live by because that's important. And what I believe that kind of comes back to Bitcoin is Bitcoin gives power to the people to create a better future. So it isn't just, um, well, you know, Bitcoin to bring down the banks or Bitcoin to bring down the government. No, it's Bitcoin to make better systems, better, better, like to make life wonderful and beautiful again, because it is a money that nobody controls. So as long as Bitcoin stays the way it is, um, I believe that Bitcoin is giving that power to the people and Chaplin so beautifully says it in his, in his uh, speech that he helped write. Um, if not, if he didn't write the whole thing, let's just say that he helped write it because I'm not sure if there were other writers on board and I don't want to not give them credit. But he was a part of the people that helped write it and he really saw the power of the people because he had traveled around the world and, um, and he knew really the effects like humanity can have on itself. 
And so I believe that that is how we can tie Charlie Chaplin back. I think Charlie Chaplin would have been a Bitcoiner. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. And um, I wrote down um, a paragraph of the speech that inspired me um, when I first heard it as a Bitcoiner. Because I, I heard it before, years prior, but uh, through now the lens of Bitcoin, it just is, is quite magical. And it says, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed. The bitterness of men that fear the way of human progress. The hatred of men will pass and dictators die. And the power they took from the people will return to to the people and as so uh, and so as men die liberty will never perish i mean that's inspiring it is it is and it's like just so thank system. you yes i like that one i like that <laughs> because i mean i feel like that is that is kind of exactly what's going on we've had this kind of greedy fiat uh, existence that is you know, I'm still tearing it away from my programming. You know, I'm still like, mm. wait, we can what? Like, it's still very much a part of the structure that that builds has built me. Um, the more I speak with Bitcoiners or, you know, we'll have debates or listen to different seminars, the more I'm like, you know, just I feel like I'm tearing off these barnacles of 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 lies, you know, that the fiat system has has given me. Um, or have I've you know accepted? I feel like at the end of the day, it's it always comes down to us. But yeah, that was like a challenge. I like that. Thank you, Alana, for um, a the great answers and uh, b for taking your time today. Uh, before we let you go, what's the best place where people can find you? Is it Twitter? Is it any particular website of yours? We should link in the show notes. You know, um, it. LinkedIn, if you want to know like my more professional stuff, uh, Twitter, if you want to know my more whatever stuff, um, and, like more low key <laughs> chill uh, is Twitter. And I would say then LinkedIn is more buttoned up. Um, but I but I do use LinkedIn quite a bit. Um, and no website, check out the Dirty Coin website. Um, there's gonna be a little pop-up there that's gonna tell you if, if you wanna sign up for the newsletter. I don't send them very frequently. Like send, I send them out like once a month, like, and I think I skipped August. So I won't spam anybody. I'm not giving the emails out to anybody, but basically if you sign up, I'll let people know like when the film is gonna be showing, um, kind of like news about the film. And that's really all I would ever use it for. So yeah, so if you go to dirtycointhemovie.com um, and you sign up for the newsletter, you can get an email directly from me. And then that way we don't need to uh, hope to cheat the algorithm so that you can see my tweet. Um, you can you know directly get my newsletter in the email. So, so yeah, so if you're very, very interested, I would say, you know, sign up for the newsletter. And if you're just kind of maybe somewhat interested, I would say Twitter and LinkedIn is, is a good spot. Um, and then I'm, I'm more I'm more vocal in those. Um, and that's kind of just the nature of the wall, social media wall. Perfect. Perfect. Alana, it I was like a pleasure you having you on. As well, by the way, I really oh, want to thank both of you. You had great questions and I feel very, very comfortable and I'm not kind of used to being in front of the camera. I definitely prefer to be behind it. <laughs> um, so, so thank you both for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you very Our much pleasure. for coming on and I hope you have a good rest of your day and possibly see you soon at one of the conferences. Yes, yes. Look, I'll show you a little bit now of, so there's oh, please, come one on. of our editors, our lead editor working over there. And then we have hey. our other editor. She's over there. 
and she's working on stranded so anyway now now you know where oh and then i want i want to i want to see the view please show us the view <laughs> oh you see i told you it's bright so like out there beyond those trees is the beach bright blue beach i'll send you guys a screenshot of the uh, uh, actual picture oh, please. Of yeah <laughs> that's nice that's nice <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys. I hope you have a great day as well and our night. I think you guys are both in Europe. So thank you both for your time.